So welcome to Sports Cap Radio. I'm your host, Drew Forbes. Uh, we got a great show for you tonight. Uh, joining me tonight, we do have Derek, our fantasy guru, JC, and our other fantasy guru, Mr. Newman. Um, and today, we got a good show for you. Uh, it's a little bit different. We're going to be talking some fantasy as the NFL season comes upon us. And then we also have an interview, uh, a very interesting interview, I think you'll find, uh, with a Mr. Luigi Primo. And if you don't know who that is, please Google him. Uh, he's been the viral video of the week. Uh, he is a pizza-making wrestler. And if you're wondering what that means, it's exactly like it sounds. He literally tosses dough while he wrestles. And <laughs> one of the funniest wrestling videos I've seen in a long time. So we are going to air that interview uh, later in the podcast. Uh, but like I said, this is going to be mostly a fantasy podcast. Uh, the NFL season is upon us. And I am absolutely amped. My drafts are this Saturday. What about you guys? You guys already done any drafts? Uh, just one. I did a 16-team uh, guillotine league, and it was fucking cutthroat. Brutal. The worst. What's a guillotine Gu- league? I've never even heard that. So, uh, so basically, you have 16 teams, and the lowest score each week gets eliminated, and their team goes to free agency. And you bid for and just you know, the, the scraps of this t- team that just got eliminated. Um and it's by the time you get halfway through that draft, you're picking guys who like are might get cut tomorrow. Jeez. So, <laughs> what about you, JC? How many leagues are you in this year? Uh, I'm in. Well, I'm in like five dynasty leagues. I have like three or four more redrafts to go. We just set one up tonight. I'm pretty excited about. Where it's a no bench. So if you got a player on a buy, you either choose to drop him completely and send him down to waivers, or you just take the zero. So I'm excited to see how that one goes. Oh, that is that an actual con? Is that something you guys invented? I've never heard of that. Uh, my buddy came to it with me. I don't know where he saw it, probably on Reddit or somewhere, but I think it's going to be fun. So is it just like pure waivers? Like, do you, Is it like auction-based waivers and you kind of pick up your starting lineup and then you start them every week? Yeah, so everybody starts. We're doing uh, a super flex option, so it could be two quarterbacks. But yeah, you're going to have uh, you know about $1,000 to bid on players. Uh, I don't know. Interesting strategy. We'll see how things play out. That is interesting. So when guys get injured, you just lose them. Yep, gone. Wow. Newman, what about you? I know you showed me one of your teams today. How many leagues are you in this year? Yeah, so far that's the only league that I've drafted for. I do have a super flex uh, keeper league that I'm doing tomorrow night. Um, and then right now that's it for me. <laughs> All right. So the the news of the day, or I mean, it's kind of been a quiet week, which is wild considering how close the season is. But the news of the day is certainly this Jalen Rager trade. Uh, from the Eagles to the Vikings. If you're keeping track at home this offseason, now that Howie Roseman has sent uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside over to Seattle, where they famously took him over, of course, D.K. Metcalf. And then today, they send Rager over to Minnesota for a surprisingly robust trade package. It's a conditional fourth-round pick. Uh, I'm hearing it's more than likely going to be the fifth, and then also a seventh-round pick. Um 
from a fantasy perspective, I do think this is actually going to have a, a big effect on the Vikings. But outside of that, like, what do you guys think of this trade? It's interesting. Uh, I'll touch on what I think it means from an implication standpoint a little bit later. Uh, we talk about you know, more of the fantasy implications. But it's, it's definitely interesting to see them add at a position where I already consider their, their group to really be a strength of that team. I think what it was is uh, they lost BC Johnson earlier this week, and maybe that's a guy that they planned on having make the roster. So this is kind of backfill that spot. Um, I think he is in the mix. They'll use him in packages, but I don't know if he's going to be on the field consistently for them. Um, but it's definitely worth the upside. They did trade a little bit more than normally. Most of the trades today were like, oh, we'll give you this player and a seventh for your sixth, um, which are fairly insignificant trades. Um, but they did include, like, I think a fourth round pick was included in this as well. So a little bit more um, payment there uh, to get this player for them. Yeah, it could be interesting. I'm just curious to see if it affects KJ Osborne at all, if he pushes KJ Osborne for that roster spot. I know the Vikings are going to want to run more three wide receiver sets this year, following suit tomorrow with what the Rams are doing. I, I was a big Rager guy when he came out, so I hope he does well. But yeah, I'm curious if it pushes KJ at all. I think it will. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll talk about that more from a fancy perspective. But Rager, if, if you see the guy, I, I think the, the flaw that the Eagles made is that he is, I think he's a pure slot receiver. And that's where KJ Osborne has really been looking like he's been setting up in the preseason and in camp. Uh, so I definitely think it affects KJ Osborne's uh, value. And an interesting move that they did alongside it, they they cut a Smith Marset from the Iowa wide receiver who they've we've actually really liked him and and it's kind of confusing moves all around. But I, what like Newman said, it was definitely reactionary uh, to BC Johnson going down. Um, if, if you look at Sean McVay's offenses, he, he always has a plethora of wide receiving talent. It's a very important thing uh, for that offense. So it's not that surprising to me. I think the trade, though, I, I, I think the Vikings got fleeced here. I really do. It's way too valuable. I, it almost seemed like the Eagles were on the cusp of cutting Rager entirely. So I, I thought it was a bit bizarre. Uh, and speaking of cuts, uh, obviously this was the week of cuts. Uh, the absolute bombshell of the week, Leatherwood. Uh, from Oakland, uh, I mean, Las Vegas, uh, absolutely insanity. Uh, th this is, what, fourth fourth first-round pick that has just done absolutely nothing for him? I mean, cutting a yep. first-rounder after one year, that is absolutely unheard of. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts of that, and do you think Leatherwood's going to go anywhere? That was one of those where it's you heard the rumblings for about a week that this was probably going to happen, and I still didn't believe it just because – giving up on a first rounder that easy, uh, especially, you know, you talk about offensive, offensive tackle. It's a kind of an, an expensive position. It's a premium cost position. So keep a guy in a rookie deal. There's a lot of things economically that makes sense there. And you talk about, you know, what, a large percentage of his contract being guaranteed. Uh, I thought just for that reason alone, for depth, you keep him around. But at the same time, you know, new regime, they want to move on quickly and, and kind of you know, push out the, what, the remnants of that previous previous regime. So Kind of surprising. He already landed with another roster. Chicago scooped him up. So uh, he's did yeah, stay up. Yeah. So of all the cuts, um, I think there was only one player that was actually claimed on waivers. Uh, so all the players that get waived, I mean, some of them get outright cut, but all the players that get waived go into the pool and anyone can claim them. Uh, the only player that was actually claimed in this round 
uh, was Tyler Johnson from the Bucks, who just have an absolutely loaded wide receiver core, who winds up going to Houston. Um, I think that's a place where he's actually going to get some playing time, and it could be good for Davis Mills to have a guy like that um, to add to that receiving core there. But, uh, yeah, the thing with Leatherwood is his contract was expensive. So anyone that claimed him would have had some of that instead can some after he clavers, which is what happened here. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get him at a much, much less cost. But a first-round talent, still, it's worth the gamble. Yeah, this it seems like a classic McDaniels move. Um, I know McDaniels isn't officially the GM there, but we all know he's, he's a very – big micromanager and I it just stinks of McDaniels um they're still paying him a large percentage of his contract uh this this it's just a bizarre move all around uh like what's going on there I I I just there's so many red flags with the Raiders this year and their wide receiving core being so light I just I don't know how some people are buying into this team I think it's going to be kind of a train wreck yeah, so, I mean, Bill Barnwell had had a couple interesting tweets um, this week in regards to the Raiders. Um, he said uh, the Raiders also, they also wound up trading Trayvon Mullen, um, but they basically signaled that they would have cut him uh, if they hadn't found a trade partner. Um, and then uh, Vegas has had, or the Raiders have had, 13 top 100 picks between the t- 2018 and 2020 draft uh, under John Gruden and Mike Mayock. 11 of those 13 players have been cut, traded, uh, cut, traded for pennies on the dollar, or uh, or had their fifth year option declined, uh, including Leatherwood here and, and Mullen, now the latest of the two. So, I mean, just generally did an awful job of drafting, especially with the high end draft picks, which are the most valuable ones. So, that's you know, there's a reason that that uh, that you know, the both of them are out of the league, right? I mean, Gruden probably may still be in control there if uh, if not for the the emails leaking. But that that would have been a mistake, regardless. And, and like we were talking about before the pod, other than that, not many surprise cuts going on. I think Kellen Mond was a bit of a surprise for the Vikings, uh, just because obviously he was a third third round expenditure. A lot of people really believed in him. Um, I think it's it's official that uh, uh, Chris, whatever the guy with the famous quarterback rankings every year, Chris Sims. I think his reign of terror is certainly over. Uh, that His draft board just looks atrocious. I believe number one on, on his uh, 2021 draft board was uh, Zach Wilson, and Kellen Mond was like four or three. So that board is looking mighty shitty at this point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other surprises you guys saw? Anyone watch Hard Knocks last night? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I watched I did. some of it, not all of it. I guess I'm the only one. Uh, yeah, it was good. I thought it was the best episode so far. Um, I was really, I was excited to see this, this, you know, no coaches practice. We, we saw the, uh, a beat reporter talk about it without much detail. Um, you know, and obviously we have to wait a whole week for it, for Hard Knocks to roll around. I think it was the, the, the Tuesday that Hard Knocks uh, aired last week. But seeing it actually, how it was executed, ran, set up, I actually thought it was a good thing. I, I was, I came out, you know, initially out of the gate thinking, oh, man, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about, you know, running a players only. But I thought it was executed really well. It got, to, you know, some of the guys to show what they knew and, and what they had absorbed, how practices ran, um, and, and really be accountable for the, you know, the intensity of it. So it was really cool. Uh, Aaron Glenn continues to impress. I think he's going to be a head coach in the league very soon. 
Uh, and then my favorite moment was uh, the running back Reynolds, uh, one of the, the fringe guys who ended up making the roster. He, he's talking on the sideline. He goes to Deuce Staley. He goes, oh, man, I got icy hot on my balls. And Deuce is like, oh, damn, that sucks. Like, no, it doesn't care at all. Like, you can tell he's been there before. I know I've done that before. I don't know about any of you guys, but uh, I had a really bad hamstring pull. It was all wrapped tape. They put the biofreeze on there. Uh, you start to get out there and start to stretch in the sweat and it just rolls down your leg. And uh, when it makes contact, you you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, that sounds awful. That sounds awful. Is that Was that the last episode? Uh, no, one more episode. We get to see all the cuts. And like we already saw a lot of previews yeah. of, of the him and the GM talking about the cuts. Dan Campbell looks like he's ready to have an ulcer over these cuts. Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you can tell he does not like that part of the job. If for 2023, I hope they choose a little bit more of a controversial team. Um, if the Browns don't make the playoffs, I don't know what the rules are considering they were just in it a couple of years ago, but they need to be. I, I, they, I just want to see another train wreck like the Raiders were. That, that, that's that, those are the best hard knocks. I think with this one, it was it was almost a little bit too normal. I think people were were expecting to see like a more dysfunctional. Dan a, he's a weirdo, and he and some of the, some of the, like we talked about his metaphors and some of the shit is just like what like he's like a, like the drunk uncle, right. but he's just a really likable guy. He so, is, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. All right, boys, let's jump into fantasy. I'm so ridiculously excited. Uh, like I said, uh, my serotonin during fantasy drafts that moment right before when the clock is ticking and there's one minute ticking down like there is no more exciting moment of of the year it's just fucking ridiculous i cannot wait but today we're going to talk some fantasy strategy um and i want to get pick your guys's minds uh one of the most important topics i think a lot of people fail on uh, with drafts is that they do some studying, but really they've only studied for their first six rounds. And those are the those are the teams that, you know, they have an injury here or there. You, you can kill the early rounds, and if you don't have the depth, you're just going to fall apart throughout the season. And there seems to be guys in every league that are like this. So I want to talk some late round steals. Uh, and JC, I'd love if you let us off on this. Um, who are some guys you can get in the later rounds that are definitely worth targeting? Yeah, so I got a couple of names here, and now that Damian Pierce, the, you know, story is out, he's going to be the guy. There's no more value on him at this point. So I want to start with a running back who's going as a running back four. He's number 44 off the board. It's tough after this point in the draft to really find anyone with standalone value. So you're kind of looking for, you know, hope somebody gets injured down the road. Uh, but Kenneth Gainwell is a guy that I think could have a very big year this year and a very big impact. They don't like using uh, Miles Sanders around the goal line. So he's going to have some goal line work being the bigger back between him and Boston Scott. He's also a phenomenal pass catcher. Uh, Josh Larkey did a great story on player archetypes. Kenneth Gainwell is going to be in line for a lot of high value targets and high value opportunities. So that creates some standalone value. Whether or not Miles Sanders, you know, keeps that job, and Sanders isn't even practicing right now. So Kenneth Gainwell could end up being the you know, the running back one for the Eagles in Week One coming up. We'll see more moving forward. Uh, a couple wide receivers. I like Jacoby Myers a lot. Uh, he's listed as wide receiver fifty-eight, a little bit ahead of Devontae Parker. But in every draft I've been in. Myers goes after or almost undrafted, but he's clearly Mac Jones's favorite target. I think he had 20 more receptions in camp than any other wide receiver on the roster. He's still going to get a ton of targets. We hope for that positive touchdown regression this year, but he's a good floor wide receiver to have late. Talking about more touchdowns, wide receiver 74 is Nico Collins. You know, wide receiver two in Houston, Davis Mills, hopefully going to take another step forward. Um, but he's huge. He's not a burner, but he's a big guy that's going to be targeted a lot in the red zone. We saw last week he you know, drew a pass interference, which led to that touchdown. I like that late value there. Isaiah McKenzie, 
I know there's all this hype around Gabe Davis, but wide receiver, wide receiver twos can be tough uh, because they usually only run two routes so they have to stretch the field or come back on curls. McKenzie has won the slot job over Jamison Crowder. He's going to get that Cole Beasley role, which we know creates a great floor for PPR. Uh, I think he could have a lot of nice weeks and a guy that you can plug in and play. On the tight end side of things here, tight end 16, we all know it's it's kind of a crapshoot after tight end five. Got David Njoku, who's in target on 22% of his routes in the last game, uh, which and Mark Andrews gets targeted but from about 20 to 24%. So that's an elite target share on the routes that he's running. He's running out of the slot as well. And then in terms of quarterbacks, especially in one quarterback leagues, you probably don't want to roster more than one. I know I certainly don't. But when you want a guy who's going to produce a lot of fantasy value, uh, you want to have a quarterback who's running the ball, like a carry percentage-wise, between 12 and 20%. And when you get towards that higher tier, that creates a nice floor, just like targets for running backs. And so Justin Fields is the discount Trey Lance. Trey Lance may get a buy on a dip here. But Justin Fields is going 30 picks after Lance, which creates a nice buy window for me. Isn't it wild? I love the Justin Fields pick. I absolutely love Justin Fields this year. Um, it's crazy. If he was on the 49ers, he might be a top eight, top seven quarterback uh, projected in this draft. But because the Bears are so bad, I mean, I think a lot of people just love Justin Fields' talent, but it's just like the Bears are so insanely bad. Um I want to ask yeah. you about a guy on the Bears because uh, he's also getting a lot of hype. What do you guys think about Cole Komet this year? Um, I think a lot of his value is riding on you know the fact that the Bears just don't have any weapons. Uh, he's another guy that rose last year and didn't really do much of anything. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Cole Komet this year? He, he was actually decent in terms of you know catches and yardage. He just didn't score basically any touchdowns um which is obviously a, a you know a, a huge value for a, that position that like that um i think he's probably you know top 10 tight end um pretty easily based on you know just the lack of options there especially towards the back end you know there's a steep cliff cliff for two two tiers basically of tight ends at the top and then and then everyone else um so i have no problem taking some cole commit um i think that's you know there could be some value for sure there uh, but I also, if I'm, you know, in any of my drafts, I'm not really targeting Cole Komet because he's after the tier of guys that I really want. And at that point, I'm just willing to late, wait for some of my later targets. Right. And I, I'm targeting him in pretty much every draft. Um, if I miss out on the top four, you know, after Waller, I'm pretty much waiting all the way into Komet. Komet's the only guy I pretty much want down there. If I miss out on him, Tight ends get really tricky, and then that's like a David Njoku. But I, I target commit pretty much every draft if I miss out on the top four guys. Where do you have him on your board in terms of tight ends? Um, Probably six. Six? Wow. Okay, so you're you're one of the commit six or, risers. Uh, six or seven, probably seven behind. Is I don't it, know, Hawkinson, Schultz, right in that same era. Is it more because of his situation, or do you actually like his talent? A little bit of both. I mean, he played really well last year. They seem to have a great connection. They've done great in preseason. They, you know, they have all those reports about them working out together after practice, uh, running specific routes, knowing where the ball is going to be. And there's just, yeah, the wide receiver room is terrible. Uh, I'd love to see Fellas Jones do something, but outside of Darnell Mooney, he should be the second wheel in that offense. Uh, so, you know, you should get a ton of targets. Yeah, I, I'm in the same way. I'm targeting you know, either the top tier guys with some value that followed you from the pick that makes sense, or I'm waiting. And, and of my lotto picks, Cole Komet's one of my favorites down there. Where does where does the tide break for you after which player? Do you include Kittle in this elite group? Because 
Kittle's a guy I've been seeing fading in a lot of drafts, a lot of mock drafts I've been doing. Um, he seems to be rolling down some boards, and I actually understand why, but do you consider Kittle still in that elite group? I like the fade. Um, I, I like where he's rolling down to me. I think he's a kind of a, a you know an elite group B. Uh, he's kind of that, that tier below. Um, I probably have him and Waller, uh, Waller first, but those two kind of in their own little tier in between. Uh, outside of the, the you know the top four, then those two, and then pretty much everybody else. Yeah, with Wall- yeah. Uh, what, what for was me, that with, sorry, uh, with, with Waller, um, I have some concerns about Waller. Not that I don't like him. Um, New England is not historically favored tight ends that much. I mean, outside of Gronk, like can you? It, it's it's it, it seems a bit interesting uh, with with the switch. I know, I know they don't have a lot of great receivers there, but with with his injury risk and everything, he's one of the guys that's kind of falling a little bit, he's teetering on the edge of my elite board. He's a guy I'm a bit worried about, him and Kittle. So for me, it's it's Andrews, Kelsey, and Pitts, and then I'm waiting. I I'm, I'm I, I love Kittle and Will, Waller. I love both their talents, but I could see especially Kittle taking on more of a blocking role with Trey Lance, and I just... Kittle worries me more than Waller, but with Waller, with the whole new offensive system being installed, he, he just he concerns me a little bit this year. I, I just know like the way that Josh McDaniels likes to use players and, and finds ways to get guys the ball kind of thing. Um, and you, when you see what Waller can do athletically on the field, he's an absolute freak. They will find ways to manufacture touches for him. I'm not concerned with him at all. Um, the injury concern, obviously, may, may you know, create value there actually for him um he's not a guy that i've been getting in a lot of mocks or anything like that just because i'm waiting a little bit longer for my tight end because i I am grabbing some players that i like there instead but i have no issue taking waller as you know fourth fifth and i think the tiers slightly below that in terms of the big drop off yeah what, what puts him in that tier down with kittle who i'm worried about his blocking uh kind of priority and I think a really good indicator on Kittle too is seeing what they implemented immediately trying to push Mike Gusecki of all people into a blocking role shows you how important that blocking tight end role is in that offense and I think that's going to be Kittle's primary feature Uh, and the reason I put Waller down with there is I think his ceiling is the touchdown share for Devontae Adams in the in the red zone. That's exactly what I'm worried about. Just the change in the offense, the change of the personnel. It, it it just it worries me. There's a huge shakeup in Oakland, and I think there's going to be a lot of different. There's going to be a lot of changes, including Renfro being used a lot more in that offense. So I I just I it, he worries me for sure. Uh, I just think that there's really only three mouths you got to feed in that offense, and those are the three guys. I think, honestly, all three of them are kind of going at a value. Devontae Adams going at the back end of the first round is kind of low for what he should be and what he has been. Um, Obviously, he doesn't have as good a quarterback, but I still think it's going to be high volume. Uh, And then I think Renfro is going too low, and I think Waller is going a little too low because that's it. There's nobody else in that offense that you're comfortable throwing the ball to. I don't know that I agree with you there because, like, how can they all be going too low? One of them is going as low as they probably should and maybe even a little bit lower. I mean, three miles to feed still a lot of miles to feed plus a running game you got to throw in there. So one of those guys is going to be the odd man out a little bit. And I, in that way, I'm kind of concerned about Devontae Adams being a top five wide receiver still taking when they have those two established guys we know are going to be target hogs as well. So I don't know. running game. 
what running game. They have they don't have any offensive linemen. They can't run the ball. Period. They're still going to. They're not going to just like not run the ball and pass the ball. I mean, time. yeah, but the, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Carr breaks breaks like the Raiders all time record for pass attempts in a season this year. <laughs> like we- this team's not good. Their defense is bad. They're going to be chasing points. There's going to be a lot of volume for the wide receivers and pass catchers in this offense. And there's really only three guys that I think are worth throwing the ball to at this point. It- they, I, I definitely agree with JC, though. Um, I mean, it's, it's Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is going to run the football. I think they definitely brought in Samir White uh, because they think that he can be a good complement to Jacobs. Um, but they are definitely going to pound the rock. It's going to be some ugly New England football. And you're right, their, their line sucks. But, I mean, look at New England last year. Their line wasn't, gr- wasn't great last season. They still ran the, block, uh, the ball insane amount. So I, I, I could see them trying to make that an emphasis and it definitely taking away from one of these guys. It has to. I, I, just, I just can't see Derek, Derek Carr just slinging and all, all three of these guys getting 120-plus targets. It's just not going to happen. Uh, let's, let's continue on with some late-round steals because uh, this is an area of the draft. That I just always, you know, I, I always have a notepad next to me with different rounds, and I'll just, like, list off different guys. Like, if this guy's here at this round, especially, like, round 11, 12, 13, 14. Uh, Newman, do you want to give us some other late-round steals that you're seeing? Yeah, so some guys that I like adding to my team on a, you know, a little bit deeper league. Um, Zamir White, you did mention him. I think that he's more talented than Josh Jacobs. I think he winds up taking that role at some point. Um, Rashad White is a nice little flyer for the Bucks. If something should happen to Leonard Fournette, I think that he is the guy. Uh, in that offense. So I think both of them could be potential options. I mean, there's always guys like Madison and, and some other handcuffs. Um, Trey Sermon did get cut today. So I think Tyrion Davis-Price out of LSU for the 49ers is a nice little handcuff to Elijah Mitchell. Um, and then like Deontay Foreman is another guy who, if, you, if you're drafting Christian McCaffrey, you may want to handcuff him because we saw what Deontay Foreman did when he got an opportunity last year backing up Derrick Henry. And I think that could be a nice little play for the running backs. Yeah, so in terms of Foreman, um, I think Foreman is, is a great guy to pick, even if you don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to get hurt this year, because I do think Carolina might try to use Christian McCaffrey a little bit differently this year. Uh, maybe not try to run him between the tackles as much. And if, if you look at Foreman, he's just a good prototypical, just between the tackles guy, almost like a Derrick Henry type type mold. And he came in for Tennessee, and let's face it, he looked like the guy he was supposed to out of Texas. Uh, I really liked what I saw out of him. So, yeah, I, I really like the Foreman pick, absolutely. Zamir White, the thing that I'm hearing about with him that worries me, uh, a lot of guys think he's just lost all of his burst. Um, with the way that he tested out in the combine, it, it seems like he's lost a lot of his scamper. That that doesn't worry you at all in terms of, like, the transition to the NFL? I mean, I've watched a, a couple of their preseason games, and I thought he's looked pretty explosive, so. Okay. Awesome. Any other Any other late rounders? Um, I mean, I have some others in terms of other positions, but those were the running backs. For wide receivers, I think that especially in a league where you're drafting three or multiple flexes or anything like that, you need to go deeper on the wide receivers. I think it's certainly worth taking some flyers, especially on a lot of these rookies and second-year players. So I have Traylon Burks as a guy who's absolutely huge upside. Um, If you're drafting him as your wide receiver five or six, you should be pretty damn happy with that um, because he may start out a little bit slow and then just come on like a freight train similar to what A.J. Brown had. He's also a guy whose value has been dropping consistently this year because 
of like we saw with Jamar Chase last year, him having some some early camp issues, right? Uh, Jamar Chase was not able to quote unquote catch the ball, and he winds up being you know a dominant wide receiver because he's just physically talented. Similar story could happen here with Traylon Burks. Um, I like jo- uh, Josh Palmer. He's a guy I like last year coming out of Tennessee, just uber productive in college, um, playing with a really good quarterback. I think he's the third wide receiver there for the Chargers. Um, and should something happen to either Keenan Allen. Or Mike Williams, he's going to get a lot of catch opportunities, and we saw that last year. Uh, and I think this year, that's I mean, it's very possible with those two guys because we've seen Mike Williams just be consistently injured, and Keenan Allen is aging. Um, I also like Jalen Tolbert for the Cowboys because somebody's got to catch the ball there uh, opposite of CeeDee Lamb, and I think he they drafted him for a reason out of South Alabama. Uh, Michael Gallup is a nice little stash, potential IR play for a little bit, or at least your IR, even though he's not going to be on the pup. Um, George Pickens is, you know, a super favorite out of everybody. I don't know how late you're going to be able to get him, but if you are able to, you know, take a flyer on him later in your draft. Let's pause, um, let's pause on Pickens uh, for a second because he is the darling of the preseason. <laughs> let's face it. Uh, nobody pumps up mm-hmm. a guy like Genzers. It's just, it's just absolutely insane. <laughs> um, and there always seems to be a guy that elevates – the Steelers like this, and let's face it, who is better at drafting wide receivers than the Steelers? Nobody. Over the last 20 years, there is absolutely nobody. Um, Pickens, he's big, he's bad, he's going to get suspended at some point, but is this guy the real deal? <laughs> As the resident Yinzer on this podcast, I'd like to field this question. If yes, I absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Pickens is going wide receiver 51, which isn't too bad of a value right now. I would say, like, I love Pickens. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's an alpha kind of receiver. Um, he's extremely physical. I love him as a blocker, too. But he is a wide receiver, too. In college, he ran over 80% of his routes were two routes, and that's a go route and a curl. He's a prototypical wide receiver, too. He can pass block. I don't think, I, I just don't know if the, how much they're going to expand his route tree. If you watch him in the preseason, those are the routes he did really well on. I have him projected for like 46 receptions, 570 some yards, and maybe four to six touchdowns, which he's going to have some big games, but I don't think he's going to be a regular fantasy contributor. Interesting. As a Steelers fan, that's insanely interesting. I thought you, I thought you were about to do some ball cradling, and I, I was fully <laughs> expecting a, a Pickens. Uh, rise up. So yeah, I, I I think that's a realistic take for sure. I, I think that there's a chance that that's too low though, right? Because Deontay Johnson's not a guy that consistently plays. Um, we've seen him multiple times leave games with injury and He's not already come back, been hurt, including pre-season. including this past weekend, um, which could present some opportunities for Pickens in, in that regard. Uh, and then Chase Claypool is not a guy that is. I mean always looks dominant as freakishly talented as physically as he is um he has some some issues in terms of concentration and i could totally see pickens being able to take it step in there and fulfill some of those roles so i think your projections are a little bit light in regards to that and i expect him to be more of a factor later in the season probably by the time when they decide that uh, they're going to go with kenny pickett over mitch trubisky Yeah, he's a guy where I think his ADP like truly isn't, you know, obviously it's an average, but I think he's one where it's staying stable because of that average. In your league, there might be a guy who takes him wide receiver 30 um, and, you know, jumps on that hype train. It's not going to be me. If you can get him all the way back at 50, I like it there a lot, but there's some people who who are all in on this guy being like a wide receiver one, uh, you know, a wide receiver two on your fantasy team. Like, I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to draft in my work league. I'm ready for that. 
Oh yeah. Oh man, there's going to be some reaches on Pickens. Uh, <laughs> it's just you know there, there's always just reaches on rookies, and let's face it, historically in the NFL. A lot of times, rookies don't pan out. You look at guys that are going in the second round. I mean, CeeDee Lamb had an okay year, but he still was sub-1,000-yard season. You know, and guys were taking CeeDee Lamb in, like, the third round of his rookie season. And I'm telling you, there's just always guys that reach on, on rookie wide receivers, and you just really got to be weary and understand what their situation is. I think Pickens is going to break a lot of hearts this year. I really do. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly possible. Um, the expectation for him to be a top three wide receiver is probably too high, uh, at least early in the season. Um, he's a guy that you want to probably be having on your bench or as a flex um, in like a three wide receiver start league um, and then possibly play him down the stretch if he if he does emerge. But I don't think that I'm drafting any of these guys with the hope that they start. Um so, so guys, tell, mean, that, tell me about ideally. Tell me about Wandale from the the Giants. This is another guy that I've seen some Twitter uh, chirps about. Um, like, what? Where, where do you guys? Can this guy be like a wide receiver three? Maybe like mid mid season. Like, what, what do you guys think about this guy? I, I think he certainly could. He kind of gives me um, I'm on St. Rob Brown vibes. Uh, you know, he could come on a little bit later. He's gonna play the slot for them. He was really. He's really good at Kentucky last year, uh, running, you know, an offense, a pro style system. Um, they drafted him with the idea that he's going to play the slot, similar to Cole Beasley, as we mentioned with that Buffalo offense. Um, and Kadarius Tony is already struggling with some injury issues and questions. And th- the fact of the matter is, the rest of this wide receiving core is just not all that talented. Um, so I think that Wandale will have a lot of opportunity there. And he's also a guy that can run the ball a little bit. We saw him do some of that back when his days at Nebraska and even a little bit at Kentucky. So he is a guy that absolutely can be a late round um, guy that can emerge uh, from that from that crew. JC, I saw you nodding your head. What do you think about Wandale? Yeah, it's an interesting spot. I think like Kadarius Tony has, is a guy that could be – like a wide receiver one value, just like the targets he gets, the ability he has when he gets the ball in his hand. But Newman's right, he can't stay healthy. He's not healthy right now. So I think Wandale kind of goes as Tony doesn't go. And yeah, the rest of the wide receivers are awful. I mean, I, I loved Kenny Galladay a couple years ago, but he's just a corpse out there right now. So I don't think he's going to do much. They are putting Wandale in the backfield. They put Tony in the backfield too. That offense is going to look very interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if Tony can't stay on the field, Wandale could get a ton of usage. For sure. Uh, any other late round steals, Newman? I mean, I think Jamison Williams is absolutely a guy to stash if your league has an IR. Um, I think he could come on and just be absolutely dominant towards the end of the season. Uh, and then Alec Pierce is running as wide receiver two. He has been basically all, all you know, the practice session here, um, in the preseason. Somebody else has to be involved a little bit in that offense. I know I expect Michael Pittman to get a ton of targets um, and – Matt Ryan tends to key on one one big receiver most of the time. But I do think Alec Pierce can provide. He's a big target. He's fast. He, he can provide either some field stretching and or red zone opportunities there um, in, in Indianapolis. I think that's a fine late round flyer as well. I, I do I actually kind of disagree on Pierce. We just, I talked about wide receiver twos a little bit. He could be that big play guy. Um, but I guess my sleeper on the Colts offense would be Paris Campbell playing out of the slot. I think he's going to get more opportunity than Pierce. Yeah, Paris Campbell will be great for the one and a half game that he plays before he suffers like an ACL. <laughs> it's or his time. Game. It's happening, Newman. Damn it. <laughs> it I, I, 
I've, I've, I've bitten in on, on Paris Campbell multiple years and I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So with those are guys, you got to always, if listen, your fantasy league, if you're not preparing for the later rounds, you're definitely going to fail in your league. Uh, and again, these are the teams that always fall off mid season because a guy gets hurt. Uh, but another thing that can always screw over an, a, a team is these landmine players. I see them every year. They seem to stick out on the draft board. It's almost like they're radiating. And sometimes I see a guy and I'm just like, holy shit, does nobody else see this? And then sure enough, it goes. And then that guy's just a complete bust. Uh, sometimes I'm wrong, but the majority of the time, I just think it's so obvious. Uh, Derek, do you see any of these like landmines on this draft board? They're just going to blow up your entire entire season. Yeah, I have I have two. I mean, I think there's there's a lot. Uh, you talk about you know the guys who are getting drafted over their ADP, but I have two that are really sticking out to me. And I think uh, Antonio Gibson was lining up to be absolutely slam dunk one of these landmine players. Obviously, with the tragedy that happened to to Brian Robinson and and him missing time due to being carjacked and shot, um, people are, are probably a little higher on Gibson than they were before. Uh, but I still think that that pressure was happening for a reason. I don't think Gibson's that guy. He still has ball security issues. He's one or two fumbles away from a long time on the bench. Uh, for me, where he's going ADP-wise, now he's starting to push back up the board for some boards. Uh, I'm staying far away from that. And I don't just really, I don't trust that offense a whole lot either. And there's some good defenses in that division. Uh, Phil, uh, Philadelphia, Dallas, really good defenses. Um, and then for me also, it's Adam Thielen. I think that he's starting to, to lose a step. You're starting to see some of that explosiveness fade away, and he's not getting the separation. Still has elite ball skills. Still a really good red zone uh, target and, and high points the ball really well. But I don't think you're going to see him as much of a feature. I think Justin Jefferson is going to fully supplant and wide receiver one, take over a bulk of those those target shares. Um, and I, I mean, you don't go out and get Regor for no reason. I definitely think they aren't comfortable with their wide receiver depth. They aren't happy with their wide receiver room, and that's a good indication of, of that. So for me, I'm, I'm selling on Thielen, uh, and I'm buying on some of these depth guys, K.J. Osborne. I, I still don't want to touch Regor because I think he's terrible. But uh, any, for me, it's K.J. Osborne and, and Justin Jefferson. Any Antonio Gibson believers on the pod? Yeah. What do you Gibson's got, a buy. He's been a buy all offseason. I'm going to tell you why. So even even before Brian Robinson, and obviously it's a terrible situation, but they bring in a guy who's a big early down back. He's bruiser. He's slow. And they have J.D. McKissick, who's just a pass catching back. Why do they make the best back of them all? Who can do all those things, the odd man out? It just didn't make sense. But, I mean, Gibson's been, what, RB13, RB12 the last two years, and now he has the same exact situation walking into. He was a wide receiver in college. He's big. He's fast. He has all the skills. He's an absolute buy at his ADP, and I'm going to keep buying him. So keep not drafting him, please. <laughs> yeah, I think I think his injury last year, like the shin thing that he had going on, definitely hurt him a lot. Um, but if you actually break down some of the film, he actually started to improve in terms of as a pass blocker and stuff, which is one of the big knocks against him and why he was not involved in a lot of the passing situations. It's just was really his blocking. It wasn't his pass catching. Uh, that's why they started to lean on JB McKissick as much as they did. Um, but with that clearing up a little bit and then the injury to Brian Robinson, I think he's probably getting you're getting some value on him still. Why are they having him block? Throw him the ball. It's just gross misuse. No, no. No, I'm saying. I know. I'm just. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, you, you need a third down back. He, he's normally chipping and then leaking out. Um, but yes, you do want to see him get out on the routes and, and become a passer. And I think that offensively, Carson Wentz is the best quarterback he'll have played with. So, oh man, 
Kyle's going to steal that job yeah, anyway, though. I, I totally agree with, with Hal stealing that job, by the way. Um, <coughs> I hope so. Carson Wentz good. is horrendous. Uh, s- some guys that are popping out on the draft board, the biggest one for me is CEH. Um, if, you, if you watch this guy uh, from a statistical level, they drafted him to be a catch, a pass catcher, and he's not that good at catching. Um, his All the things that he did well at LSU have just kind of slowly deteriorated over time. And his ADP, where he's ranking, it's mind-blowing to me. I mean, I, I've seen him in the 50s on a lot of things. I, I Fantasy Pros has him ranked on PPR right now at 68. I still think that's too high. I, I don't even think he's going to end up the starter at the end of the year. Um, I think Jarek McKinnon uh, is... I don't think he's a better talent, but I just think he was kind of there for him them at the end of the last season. And I just do not see CH uh, doing anything this year, especially with the rise of, what's his name? Do you pronounce it Pacheco? Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. It's Pacheco. And, and did, did Ronald Jones, by the way, did he, did he make the, he did make the roster, right? Yeah, that's I wouldn't a, buy Pacheco. That's a crowded, crowded, but even if, even if you're not a huge Pacheco fan, like, Ronald Jones, he's a really good between-the-tackle runner, um, and it's, there's just too many guys back there. And I think Andy Reid might just be shuffling these guys in and out. I don't think they have a definitive RB1, and it concerns me a lot. Uh, I mean, I think McKinnon might be the guy to own in that backfield in general just because you are getting a good value on him. He is a great pass catcher, um, and we saw at the end of the last season, he was the one who was being trusted in the playoffs um, to, to, you know, to be the primary ball carrier and, and uh, pass catcher out of the backfield for him. I think that he's a value and, and he should be um, a target for a lot of people there. And I, I do have him on one of my teams. So I, I'm living by my own philosophy there. Another guy that I'm just excited to, to bag on because I just I've just decided this season that I don't like this guy is Kyler Murray. I think this guy is Red Flag City. Uh, he, he just gets this huge contract. And, it, and just talking historically, this guy's the MVP every year, September and October. I don't, I don't think I've seen a team win with Kyler Murray. You know why? Because he's never there come playoff times. I saw it last, last year in the playoffs, what we saw from Kyler Murray, this immature guy who kind of throws a lot of his teammates into the bus when things aren't going wrong. I just wonder... With all this guaranteed money, like what Kyler Murray are we going to see? And you, a lot of people say people were overreacting about the contract leak, about the independent study thing. I don't think there's any overreaction to this. I think that is a clear sign of a franchise that is concerned about their player. The fact that they have to put in there, it's, it's not something that's done. Um, and from a talent perspective, he's great on the field. He always gets hurt. And he's also a guy that, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers always plays with injuries. Brett Favre played with injuries his entire career. Kyler Murray needs every cell of his body to be completely effective. And I just think you're going to see the same thing from Kyler Murray again, an explosive guy in September and October, and then him continuously fade. I've never been a Cliff Kingsbury guy. And I just think, again, you know, I've seen him here at quarterback five, way too high, way too high. I would much rather roll the dice on, like, Trey Lance uh, somebody you know, somebody that you can get way later in the draft. He, if you're going to expend an early pick on a quarterback, Kyler Murray is not the guy to do it. I kind of agree. I'm yeah, a little bit nervous. Just, Sorry, go ahead. I, I just don't like the value at all. Um, I think that if you're not getting, you know, uh, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, or Lamar, you're you should wait. 
uh, till towards the back end where it's, there's a cluster of Rogers, Brady, Lance, you know, all those kinds of guys. I'd, I'd rather live in that area with, with way better value than take a risk on Kyler Murray because he has not proven to be able to stay healthy. And when, when you actually make your money in fantasy football playoffs and he hasn't really performed. So, and you want him to run the ball. And the thing I worry about with him is he never really took that step as a passer to get to that next level to where he can have that big sustainable production with his arm solely. And the contract worries me. I don't care about the independent study, but with that, in like all of that money, now you're protecting your investment. You don't want Kyler to run as much. And you saw like with Dak Prescott, you know, he's like taking less risky runs. He's not having that running floor to boost his stats. So fantasy wise, Kyler Murray is much more of a risk than he was in the past. Another guy I want to talk about and pick your guys' brains on because he's just extremely interesting to me because I don't think he's talented at all. He is in a great situation. But James Conner, once again, you know, last year he obviously fell. He was a fantasy steal last year. He was a guy that fell towards the later latter rounds of, of, of last year. But the year prior, a lot of people got burned on James Conner. I see that cyclical coming back around and I see James Conner being another one of these landmines in this draft. Are there any James Conner buyers? I, I, I'm i just such a massive seller on this no. guy. I don't know how far I could possibly drop him from my board. If you saw how low he is, like I'm taking backups before I'm taking James Conner. I'm just so worried about this guy because I just don't think he's talented at all. I think he's undraftable because people are going to be taking him high. But he, he had a touchdown on every 13 carries. One touchdown per 13 carries last year. Uh, but he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Exactly. And then he had three touchdowns through the air. It's just unsustainable production. He's going to regress a ton. And I think Eno Benjamin's really good, so watch out for that name too. And you are. You're going to see guys reach for Connor because the, the running back um, pool in this draft, and that's what I want to get to next, is you know strategies. What are you guys seeing in your drafts? Uh, what positions are deep? What positions are thin? A uh, running back is a position – that I've seen, you know, people peddling this RB zero uh, philosophy this year. I just, just don't see it this year because I, running back is a position that I don't think if you get your guy early, you have to wait till the later rounds, and I think you're going to be hurting. Uh, what, what are you guys seeing in terms of strategies that you're employing this year? I mean, for me, it really depends on where you are on the draft board. Uh, I think once you get past CMC, once you get past Jonathan Taylor, honestly, to me, like Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup are the guys that I want to then build backs. I think wide receivers fall off a ton in terms of value after that, as well as running backs. So you want to get those running backs on the back way through. If I'm in the first three positions, I want to go, you know, top two running back. Uh, we'll see who's there in the second. And then I want like uh, Kyle Pitts there in the third and kind of stack through that way. If I'm on the back end of the draft, uh, I want to go two running backs. I'm looking to go like DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, or Joe Mixon, I think is the best way to start from that position. Yeah, I think there's there's groups that like yeah. just really give me problems, and and you look at position groupings, and, and there's there's some really definitive tiers, and after that, there's just a bunch of guys. I think the emergence of the the running back by committee used to be you know one or two guys. Now it's like three, four guys that are jointly forming these running back committees, and if you get down to the lower end, mid tier, just take a lotto ticket. Maybe you get the right guy, but there's no way to really know at this point. You were talking about Jarek McKinnon. I really like him a lot. Uh, is it Pacheco? Is it who? Who's going to be the guy? There's no way to know right now. Um, so if you don't get those first tiers, and, and I think JC's absolutely right. I think uh, especially wide receiver falls off really hard. You look at that top tier, and then all of a sudden you're in the the range of like 
the Terry McLaurins, the DJ Moores, the Cortland Suttons. It's it, who's going to finish ahead of who? Kind of a mess. I, I much prefer the hero RB build to a zero RB build. Um, hero RB, you literally just don't draft a running back for usually the first six rounds. With that situation, you want to walk out with like four wide receivers, four really good wide receivers, at least two, probably three in your top ten, um, and then uh, a tight end and a quarterback uh, before you take your first running back in like round six or so, uh, round six or seven. Um, I prefer Hero RB, where you really go in on one running back in either the first or second round, um, and then you kind of do a similar build there. Uh, you can still wait on quarterback. Uh, this way, maybe grab another running, you know, that second running back it, wherever you find value. But in general, I'm just value hunting. Um, that's typically what I normally do in, in terms of my builds and, and stretch. I don't specifically follow any one thing like that. If there is value coming at me in the draft, somebody's following, I'm not afraid to take them. Um, but it, in general, just, yeah, I, I, uh, I like to follow the value, but I I prefer the hero RB build to the zero RB build in most leagues, unless unless you're playing in a non PPR league. Yeah, I don't think zero RB is playable anymore. I think <laughs> it was a cool strategy for a couple of years, and, and there were some times where maybe it, it kind of made sense. But I think you look at these coaching trees and some of these offenses of philosophies that are in the league right now. You have a bunch of coaches from the New England coaching tree, you have a bunch of coaches from the the Rams coaching tree, and these are organizations where like ten to- ten. 12 guys are touching the football in a given day. You know, you're you're using wide receivers one through five. You're using running backs one through four. You're using tight ends one through three. And you get down to these middle rounds, and it's it's like everybody's getting a little bit of production. Yeah. I mean, how many running backs are you really comfortable with drafting, right? Like, as a starter for you? There's, there's like, I think there's like legitimately like eight starting running backs in the league right now. <laughs> like, that you feel really good about. Like well, I think that gives credence to a zero RB or at least like a modified zero RB. You could take that running back in the first who's going to be your guy. And then maybe you fill all of your wide receiver spots, all your flex spots, your tight end, maybe even throw Jalen Hurts in there as a quarterback. And then late down the draft, you hit that RB2 of like a Antonio Gibson. I think Damian Jared McKinnon, or Tony Pollard, someone who has that standalone value. I, I, I can see waiting, and I don't mind waiting, but I think if you're going to wait, you end up having to take, like, four running backs because you need to make sure you hit on, like, one or two of them. You can't afford to not, like, really yeah. hit on those late values to the point where, like, your whole bench is running backs. Yeah, and that's yeah. a strategy. <laughs> yeah. yep. No, but really, you really need to have maybe one extra wide receiver um, to backfill, you know, what you have starter stuff um and then you want to take a lot of shots at running backs if you're going to do anything like that looks like uh drew looks like Newman was ahead of his time just hoard all the running backs <laughs> he's been doing that since he was uh 14 so it doesn't surprise me um one, one thing i what my observation about this draft is i think this might be the deepest quarterback draft i can ever remember uh, there is this meaty, you know, the majority of rounds or the more, majority of leagues are, are 12 team leagues. Um, and I see this meaty chunk of guys that are after 12, 12, that are just absolutely outstanding. Aaron Rodgers at 13, according to Fantasy Pros, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Tua. I'm a huge seller on Tua, but right after Tua, Justin Fields, high upside play. Trevor Lawrence, what if he bounces back this year? Um, I don't think it's ever been more important to wait at quarterback. I do think there's three going to be three studs that you go after, and then once those guys are gone, you're just 
done. Just wait until the you can you can wait this draft out for an insane period of time. I've done a lot of mock drafts. You can wait it, wait it, wait it, wait it, and still end up with Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. And I'm telling you, those guys are going to be good this year. So there's never been a better time to wait for quarterback than this season. I really do. And then there's going to be some guys in the 20s that I'm even seeing. Like, what happens if Matt Ryan is unexpectedly emerges and becomes like a the old Matt Ryan again. I don't think that's going to happen, but there are going to be some value guys in these 20s. I see a lot of high upside plays that I just absolutely love. I mean, I think Jameis is another guy at the back end there, which, you know, he's going to, he's, they actually put some wide receivers in place there. And it's a team, you know, that Jameis has, has had seasons where he's thrown for 5,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns. So, I mean, a guy like that, way way late as potential number two with upside for you is, is possible there. Um, but I, I like Trevor Lan- Trevor Lawrence that they get in there. I think the addition of Doug Peterson will really help um, with that offense. They actually do go get some wide receivers. They may have overpaid for them, but they did go get Christian Kirk, who should catch a lot of passes. They also brought in Zay Jones, who actually apparently has looked good. Um, but I I really like that they brought in as a pass catcher is Evan Ingram, uh, which is another deep tight end sleeper for you guys. If you look at the scheme that's coming from that Andy Reid tree, uh, the tight end has always been a focal point. If you go back to Andy Reid's days when he was in Philadelphia the first go around, if you go uh, and then, you know, obviously with Travis Kelsey there in Kansas City, and then you look at what Doug Peterson did when he was in Philadelphia most recently. He had a guy like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. So I think Evan Ingram, super athletic player, sometimes has problems catching the ball. But in this offense, absolutely a late round tight end flyer. Um, so if you're doing the uh, the greater late strategy, he's a guy to target. Yeah, Agreed, say, Newman. Better use uh, pass catcher loosely when you're talking about Evan Ingram. <laughs> they did just vacate another hundred targets letting go of Visca, though. So I mean, they got to go somewhere. Yeah. He's, he's a good pass target. I don't know about pass catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and another tech. Extra, extra stick them on the gloves. Yeah. An- another error I think people are making, and this seems to happen every year, and it always seems to come to fruition. I think people are making a tactical error and thinking that tight end is, is deeper than it is. I've seen some guys that people are hailing as starting tight ends that I just don't buy into at all. Uh, Fearmuth, I, I love the guy. I, I think he's I think he's really good. I'm not a buyer of this guy. I think if you have Muth as your starter, I'm worried about that. You guys are really big on Cole Komet. I'm not a huge Cole Komet guy. I do think he's going to get a lot of targets. I'm just not that impressed with his talent, and he worries me. And Zach Ertz at number 10. I, I watched Zach Ertz last year. He still looks like a guy that's falling off the face of the earth, like a guy that might not even be in the league next year. Uh, how how this guy is still in the top 10, and I think a lot of people are thinking that you can wait on tight end. I do agree that you know after these elite guys are gone, you pretty much have to, but I think you have to go out in this draft and get a good tight end, especially if you're in a PPR league, for sure. I think it's a good year to expend an early pick on a tight end, more than more than maybe any other that I've seen in a while. Anything else yeah, on that? Yeah, I have no issue with that strategy. Yeah, I think the idea, and, and I think some of the reasoning behind this whole waiting on tight end and tight ends deep is just based on the fact that like the top half, the top six are so cemented, and the bottom six, who's going to be 7 through 12? It could be literally anybody else on the board. Uh, so I, I think the, the, there's a kind of a, a creation of depth there, but you can't tell me you know, you're getting a ton of value and you pick the right guy when you're picking... Yeah, you know, Fryermuth. Like you don't know that. 
I think it's a good point to compare the, then with quarterbacks as well. If you're going to reach and go high on a tight end, you got to wait quarterback. You're going to lose a lot of value in your running backs and wide receivers and For vice sure. versa. If you reach home quarterback, you got to wait on tight end. That's a great point. You got to go one or the other. Like get get your stud and then just wait on the other position. That that's a fantastic point. Uh, anything yep. else you guys are seeing? I do want I do want to just touch on one more guy because he's interesting. Michael Thomas. Any buyers on Michael Thomas? This guy was just the number one wide receiver in the league just a couple of seasons ago. Um, could he be back? I've seen him running. He looks good. I know he's been dinged up, but he looks interesting at least. I believe in Jameis. I believe in the Saints. I don't believe he's their wide receiver one. Uh, I'm an Olave guy. I don't. I'm not a Michael Thomas guy. Uh, I think he has a role, and I think he'll probably be still dangerous in the red zone. But I just can't, in good faith, jump on that train. I think it depends if he falls. If he goes past like Rashad Bateman, Juju, like those guys are going high on him. So if he falls down to like Devonte Smith, yeah, I'm buying Michael Thomas for sure, but not too much higher than that. He's another guy that you just yeah, kind of you, you almost just got to say somebody else is going to like Michael Thomas more than me. You know what I'm saying? And it's that, that, that's typically what happens. Um, I'd be willing to take Michael Thomas at the right price. Uh, I don't like necessarily super overpriced. I just find that a guy, somebody normally reaches a little bit for him, um, and so he doesn't wind up on a lot of mocks that I'm I'm doing. He, he just the, somebody else takes him before he gets back to me. We're all comfortable with it. Sure. All right, guys. Well, so let's, let's wrap up the fantasy talk now. We are going to play for you guys now uh, the interview with the great Luigi Primo, and here it is. So the Sports Cap Radio is very honored to welcome on as a guest today, international wrestling champion and viral sensation, Luigi Primo. Luigi, welcome I'm to the I'm Luigi Primo, <laughs> and I make the best of pizza. So Luigi, if you haven't seen the video, you're the only one. Uh, he recently went viral with this absolutely insane uh, tag team match. Uh, who, who exactly were you fighting against, Luigi? I was wrestling against the Aborn Haters, a tag team, who, as you can guess from the name, they were born to a hate of pizza. My opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so Luigi is from the Italian town of Austin, Texas. Um, now, how, how long uh, how long ago did you immigrate over from Austin, Texas to the U.S.? I came over from the old country to Austin, Texas, about seven years ago. And ever since that time, I've been not only practicing my wrestling, but also practicing my pizza making as well. Okay. All right. All right. And so you make the pizza. You don't deliver the pizza, correct? No, I leave a delivery to the the uh, lower lower stations. Maybe people who are trying to uh, succeed in a band or, or a slam poetry or some <laughs> kind of visual art. Well, that's awesome, man. So so your your uh, your basically your your primary weapon is you, you're you're tossing dough throughout the entire match. And I'm just curious. You know, I've, I I haven't seen this wrestling league before. Is is that not considered a foreign object within that wrestling league? So, so you would have think so, but uh, many refs, they have uh, the perspective that the pizza dough is an extension of my body, which is correct. Because to be a good pizza, you have to make a good pizza, which I try and embody every day of my life. Sometimes they give me a problem, in which case I can just throw it away and wrestle normally. That's a no problem. But in the ideal circumstance, I'm using it to mystify and to distract my opponent, and then they take me lightly, and then I scoop them behind for the pin, and that's how I win the match. 
So, Luigi, you, you have a tagline, correct? What, what, what is your motto? Uh, my motto is, I'm a Luigi Primo, and I make a best of pizza every day here in the U.S. for all of my greater fans worldwide that's amazing it's it's amazing that your your primo or your uh your motto is about making pizza and not actually about wrestling <laughs> no not, not at all and some people say it's very long but i will not a compromise so that's why every time i come out to the ring i say i'm a luigi primo from the usa and i make a good pizza for all of my fans every day in my <laughs> restaurant in the ring come on let's go <laughs> derek you got any questions yeah, so would you consider yourself a pizza maker that wrestles or a wrestler that makes pizza? You asked me a very excellent question, Derek. Uh, so I, I really think the value that I bring to a, both the fields is that I can take my wrestling skills, such as a different holds and a slam, and I can take my pizza skills, such as a topping things and a kneading of things and a putting a things in the oven and a sort of a, a combine of them together. So for instance, kneading the adult, that's how you start, all right? So what I do, I get my opponent down and I use a trapezius claw to sort of soften them up, okay? And then they get up, I slam them down, and then once the dough is nice and kneaded, I give them some toppings, which is an elbow drop or a good senton on their on their solar plexus. So now these pizzas are atop. Now you put it in the oven, and that's when I get on the atop rope and I give them a splash, and that should be the end. But if I have to take one or more a step, I give them the pizza cutter because that's the last thing you do to a good pizza. So for me, combining the pizza making process with the wrestling is my one sacrosanct art and what I strive for in both disciplines. <laughs> that's amazing. Now, the pizza place so you actually work at, do they ever question why you're always showing up to work covered in sweat and blood? They had a lot of questions about that, and they also had a question about why I was wearing a wrestling a singlet because that very much uh, doesn't pass a code. So they would say, hey, go go put on a t-shirt and put on a hairnet. And I would get them in a face lock, lift them up, suplex them onto the counter, and they do the uh, toppings. We made it a different kind of a pizza with, with them, rather than making the Afura pizza because they had a disrespect to me. <laughs> so you're absolutely blowing up on Twitter. Um, everybody, it feels like, knows who you are. We shared your video. It has over 10 million views now. Um, and I've been seeing there's been some controversy stirring up. People really want you to fight this other wrestler. And I'm curious if you have anything to say about this or if you have any beef with this guy. Have you ever heard of the CPA? I've heard of the CPA. Uh, it stands for, a, what is it, a cheese, pepperoni, and uh, artichoke. <laughs> Right, he's like a, that's what he that's his name because that's what he likes on his pizza. I think he, I think his wrestling shtick is that he's a accountant. So okay. I, I, I was thinking the wrestling match between you and him it could be white collar versus blue collar or blue collar. Yeah, or or a no collar, frankly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I would have liked to wrestle him because I would like to see it because, you know, there's all kinds of people in a wrestling. Right. All different kinds of people. You got a pizza chef's. You got a carpenters, you got a accountants, you got a plumbers, all the kinds of a different occupation of based wrestlers. <laughs> and I think a CPA would be a good to a wrestle because while we're a wrestling, I can be like, get him in a headlock and say, when do I declare my deductions for a 2022 for the sauce? Do I have to do a separate 
and then he'll push me off. And then maybe in between the moves, I can maybe get some attack advices because I'm not good at filling out of my attacks. <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking forward to a filing of them. Occupation-based wrestler. I, I, I absolutely love that. Now, um, how do you feel about Italian stereotypes? Ital- such as? Uh, you know, just just just, just uh, Italian stereotypes, like say hypothetically, uh, a pizza maker that had a mustache uh, mm-hmm. who spoke in an Italian accent. Right, that's a great point. Well, I, what you're talking about is not actually a stereotypes. What you're talking about is Italian a heritage. True, <laughs> true. So you know, we have in Italy, we have a greater tradition of people with the mustaches who are piazziolos, or. Sometimes they don't even make a pizza, but they still have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it dates all the way back to a Roman times. If you look at the Avesas from a, from a BC in the time of the Caesars, you see a man, hey, much like me, in an apron with a spear, and he's got a mustache, and on top of the spear is a, is a circle of a pizza. It's true. I so. saw that just today outside of my house, and I think it was unearthed from the Roman times and not a pizza box that someone had to thrown away. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Italian stereotypes, Mary Fuck Kill, Super Mario, George Costanza, or Tony Soprano? Okay, so first of all, I you know, of in the, uh, I like how there's a kill part of that. Is the a kill part, are, are you like a happy to a kill them or? Is, is, is that's, that's a bonus. That's completely okay. up to you. That's up to it's you. Not like you, you have yeah, to. Do you want to take them out? Do you just want them not a part of your life anymore? <laughs> I like that's the idea you. that that's a bonus. Um, okay, so what do we got? We got Tony Soprano, Super Mario, and... Uh, and, and George Mario Costanza. Andretti. And George Costanza. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Mary is Super Mario, 100%. Uh, <laughs> F, George Costanza... Kill Tony Soprano. I'm a sorry. That, I like it. Take care of Tony Soprano. He's the biggest threat. Definitely makes sense. That's all right. If I don't want to get a him, he's going to get a me. <laughs> Who knows what? I mean, the laws of the mafia are inscrutable and cryptic. I had a great uncle who was killed for uh, running a numbers for the uh, mob in New Jersey. He shaved. You know, it's expected you maybe shave a little bit off the top, just like a good Parmesan for a pizza. But he has <laughs> shaved off it too much, and they caught him, and he was a killed. It's real. <laughs> so you 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 put a lot into your uh, into your not character, just who you are, which is Luigi Primo, the the genuine pizza making wrestler. Um, but I, I noticed you were wrestling around. I, I watched the entire match. We, we obviously only posted that clip. And Matt, the wrestler, you got to tell this guy he needs to get some other stick because Matt, the wrestler, he didn't really put much thought into that, huh? He just literally put his name and then the wrestler. Well, the thing about a Matt the Wrestler is he's a simple a man. <laughs> of the three Aborna haters, he is probably the one that I dislike the least because he, he's a very happy and uh, he is content to adjust to be. That, that's where the name comes from because he, he, in his mind, why would you not adjust to tell people your name? Why change it to something different? Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I feel bad sometimes. You see the video of me kicking him and then twisting his neck. I thought they're kind of bad, but... You know, mostly I felt good about it doing it. <laughs> now, this this uh, the wrestling match it was extremely entertaining. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Well, what what's the wrestling? What's the name of it again? The the, the place where you can find the video. Inspire AD. Inspire AD. That you you got to go check this out, folks. If if you haven't actually seen it, uh, at one point a guy's fingers 
fingers get trapped in a finger trap. Uh, there's a six-person uh, headlock. Um, and they even pause about 60 to 70% of the way through and actually start talking about their childhoods. Um, right, I think we we all made a breakthrough in that in that section. You you definitely I'll seem like you did. It, you, you know, I think you I think I heard you say something about your father and you know really personal things like you're Luigi and you make a pizza. Right. Yeah. So you know, sometimes the, the match is a struggle against your opponent, but it's also a struggle with yourself. <laughs> and the more we look at inward and a grapple with our id and our egos, and you know, slam it down and a give it an elbow drop and a come <laughs> on it from the top rope and give it the pizza cutter and make a pizza with our internal self, the more we will conceptualize and actualize our external selves. And that's how you make a good pizza with your psyche. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi, the behavioral therapist. I, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. And where, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Best Pizza Chef. You can find my merch page, luigiprimo.bigcartel.com. You can find me on Instagram, Luigi Primo PWR, and that's a that's a, you can find me on Facebook, but it's not a great platform. Honestly, so. folks, just Google him. Uh, you'll you'll find him. You'll be able to find his Twitter page, his Instagram page, his Facebook page. Actually, I'm very happy because uh, now if you if you Google search something like a Pizza Man wrestler or Pizza Man wrestling. Number one with the bullets. <laughs> and that was really my ultimate goal, just to make sure I had that niche. You got, I mean, you got shared by everybody. Uh, you were shared by Barstool Sports. I mean, I, I, it was just a absolute wildfire co across Twitter. Um, what was your favorite platform that actually shared you? Probably, probably Twitter, just because it got so crazy and the, the comments were just so out of control and just people saying all kinds of weird stuff, just like, hey, make the pizza or... This is what happens when your pizza is late. And I just like relished it all. The greatest technical um, wrestler of all time. I saw that one. That was my favorite one. <laughs> do you, okay. Do you know who Mike, Mikey Musumeki is? I don't think he, so. He, he's an MMA fighter uh, and he's on Instagram and he actually posted a repost of it and none other than a Mark Zuckerberg commented on it. I oh thought that was. God. I thought that was pretty weird. That's, <laughs> That's insane, man. And I, I, uh, I actually commented. I was like, hey, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. I'm making a little pizza. And, you know, you did answer. It's like, ah, dance a clown. Dance a for me. <laughs> so if you are you get home after a wrestling match, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted. What the, what kind of pie are you throwing in the oven to get your spirits back up? You know, after the match, I want to get a maximum of carbs. Honestly, I wanted some oil to hit me real fast. So I'm probably going to do like an oil base rather than a, a marinara and i'm gonna put a light mozzarella and a ricotta for some uh, extra protein because a ricotta with a low milk fat is actually a greater source of protein right hey but, but i think that right? that's gonna be good i probably put it you know some red pepper um some red pepper some some salt because it's gonna be a very, very umami and we want a little bit of a bite <laughs> never, never pineapple uh, well, you know, we could put a pineapple on the pizza, but then we got to put it in the trash. Great answer. Luigi, any, any big, uh, matches coming up? We have a huge following in Houston. Uh, I, I know you guys are in Texas, but any big matches oh. uh, you want to, you want to, you want to announce? I, I actually will be in, in Houston a very soon. What's the date? I will, the date for the Houston show that I know what it is. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna. Be, I'm actually gonna be making a pizza against a. Uh, I think a Charlie Haas. Oh. 
and that's a gonna and so he's a, probably gonna hit me <laughs> making a pizza against <laughs> not and wrestling then, folks okay. making a pizza against that's gonna be on november 12th in houston texas all right folks so, awesome. so definitely go check out luigi uh, luigi any closing thoughts oh also there's gonna be an inspire show tomorrow in austin texas at a pinballs at lakeside my closing thoughts would be and never be afraid to make a good pizza because you never know who's going to want to eat the pizza wise words wise words from a wise man thank you so much luigi ciao all right really really want to thank luigi primo for coming on the show uh that was really awesome of that guy uh what a week it's been for him barstool sports all these different pages are sharing this guy and Derek, the guy was absolutely freaking hilarious. Like, totally unexpected. I, you know, he's, he's wrestling. You don't know how he's going to be when you actually do an interview with the guy. He was hilarious. Yeah, he was polished, had great answers to everything. I, I really hope that guy finds a lot of success. 100%. Like, it, even if it's not in wrestling, like, he was so sharp. Like, his, his answers to all of his questions were just, just a hilarious yep. dude. I, I, I just a, a guy, I don't know what, if, if he's actually doing this for a living. If he is, it's awesome because he's amazing at it. But hats off to this guy. He took the world by storm. All right, boys. Any closing thoughts? This is it. This is the last weekend before, uh, you know, we have NFL football. So uh, Labor Day, I know we have a big blowout party. Uh, we're going to have a blast. There's going to be lots of college football to watch. So uh, just enjoy it. Take it all in. And then we'll see you next week. Preview some game. Yes. Draft weekend, baby. Great weekend of college football. Absolutely insane. Uh, I look forward to watching FSU losing on Sunday, even though it's going to hurt my soul. I do. No. Want, I, I just love watching FSU, and I'll I'll, t- I'll even take a loss. All right, we're out.